No, I, I literally figured we'll just start bullshitting because. All right, we're live. It's yeah, it's been so long. Um, the <sighs> last time we recorded, Cody, we were breaking down. I think two October bucks. I think it's been that long. Oh my god, yeah, a, a lot has transpired. Um, man, the the long late season, some some new products. Uh, just just busting ass lately man it's been it's been a grind lately so um apologize for not being out sooner but let's 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 touch base on some things let's um we got a lot yeah we got quite a few things to talk about and i think uh obviously with no ata this year there was kind of a gap in in new product coverage and and really just no i don't know bow hunting excitement that time of year if you weren't after a buck late season um but you have teased a few objects and, and obviously we've got a new pack with custom gear, but there's, there's quite a lot kind of uh, coming off your plate right now. Yeah. So it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty busy last few months and coming into the end of season. So um, with, with both of the brands I I'm involved with uh, custom gear, XOP, um, we got quite a few things in the pipeline and being that this year was so different with the COVID stuff and no ATA and all that. And, I mean, it's just, I was never really on board with how they went about doing that. In my opinion, I think they were just trying to scramble and, and make something out of nothing. I never really thought the, the virtual ATA was going to go over that well. So I took that time to just kind of slow up a little bit and be a little bit more methodical on, on finalizing some, some 2021 designs and all the programs and stuff. So really not trying to rush anything. Um, so with that being said, like, we're shooting to officially release and launch like um, a lot of the like the XOP products, for instance, in like your in spring, like your April um, and for availability July. Uh, yeah. And that's that's what we're shooting for. We got. Let me see. One, two, three. We got four new products dropping in July of this year for XOP. Uh, this will kind of be the first. Yeah, the first breakdown of them. I know we I've teased some pictures of a, a saddle platform uh, a new stick and um haven't officially released everything yet but um we're looking at so what we did for this year um is i did a lot of work on what i call the the ultra series right so we're taking xop and we're going a little bit of a different route all in the same mobile fashion but um so we have two new sets of climbing sticks we have a saddle platform. We have a climbing stick holder aid. And we are actually developing our own saddle too, but I'm going to, uh, we'll only touch base on that very, very shortly. Yeah. Um, so the ultra series is exactly what it sounds like. You know, uh, XOP, I feel like has always been that prime product, that affordable price. Uh, long lasting, great function, great feature, um, you know, but in the size up of like your, your mobile hunting schemes and, and where everything's gravitating towards. And I know your custom gear would be like the top end, but all right, what I've done with the ultra series climbing sticks is essentially make the same great XOP stick, uh, more compact and lighter weight, all the same great features. I know what you're thinking. First question you're going to ask is, do they still lock together? Um, that has been the backbone of the XOP sticks for so long is our, our patented quarter turn locking mechanism. And this stick or these ultra series sticks, 
do not have the quarter turn locking mechanism, but they do have a new locking mechanism that I've designed in the past, um, in the past year and that I've been testing. So um, these sticks now, uh, not only mountain stack together tall ways like XOP always did, now they stack together side by side and you can minimize that profile and you can go, um, you can, you know, do two together, you can go four together, you can go six together, you can, whatever you want. Nice, um, nice. It sounds like transport, um, just like what we saw with you guys in, in custom gear, you know, transport being a, a key factor was kind of considered a little bit more so um, in this design. Yep, yep. I wanted to take um, take the XOP sticks uh, to the next level um, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, everything's getting, you know, the, the compact sticks, the two-step option is becoming a lot more popular. We had a shorter version of the full-length stick for a while, um, but they needed a complete revamp. And one thing I've been hearing for years, and I've never done it to this point because I personally don't like them, but everybody wants to double step. So... <laughs> So I, 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 you know, I, I, um, I broke down and did the double step for XOP this year. And I think a lot of people are going to be pleased. It is an 18 and a half inch fixed double step still has our beefy standoff bracket, our, our beefy step design, super rigid and solid. Um, and now it has the, um, the slide lock technology, I'm calling it, uh, to where all these sticks go together sideways, uh, they pack up. They actually integrate very well with the buckles too. I know a lot of guys are gravitating toward the buckleless and ropes and whatnot. And you know me, Byron, I'm still yeah. throwing that shit out the window. I'm still a buckle man. So these are designed to pack well with the buckles, pack side by side and really minimize your profile for a, um, you know, on an XOP stand or hell, you could even toss these on your, on your 0.5 or your, um, your 1.0 on your custom gear setups. Yeah. Um, the stick right now, or the stick is about 2.0 one pounds uh, per stick. They have a slightly pivoting bracket um, and the steps or the sticks feature a, uh, a brand new extrusion that houses this, this uh, locking bracket. And that bracket never leaves your stick. It's always on there and it comes with each stick and you know, it can be used in multiple different ways. Uh, it's actually pretty neat. You'll see it. I'll do a video breakdown on those very soon. That same ultra double is offered in an ultra single as you would imagine. So we have the 18 and a half compact. Those are just, those are actually just under two pounds. They might be like 1.9 or right in that two pound sure. range. So they're both about the same, but both stacked together. And um, so that, that concludes the ultra series sticks. Nice. Um, you nice. And then uh, obviously on the custom gear side, there's, there's been a few releases and you took, uh, oh, you, you showed off the, the 2.0 as well the other day on Mobile Hunters United. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to um, the product for XOP, uh, we got, we have a few new, few new things coming for uh, custom gear as well. So we've officially uh, like launched the, the Wolfpack um, and we have some great breakdown videos on that, the specs and all that on the website. Those will actually be available very soon, probably in the next month or so uh, for purchase. We'll have them in stock. Um, and, you know, just a, an awesome pack, especially for those self-filmers out there who are taking a little bit, you know, they got their camera, they got their arm, they got, you know, a little bit extra, extra deals going on. Um, so it's a great versatile pack right there. Uh, integrates directly with the, with the custom gear stands. That's awesome. Um, another thing, that we have in the works is uh, the 2.0 that we teased the size of that um, 
the other day. And that is just what, what you would think it is. It's, it's a bigger, bigger stand in general. Um, it's a size up from the 1.0. Um, the weight is coming in probably right under 10 pounds with a huge platform. And there are some, there's going to be some, some innovation and some different things happening in the seat department. So that's something for you guys to look forward to. That's not, we're not officially releasing it yet, but like when we do, all the stuff will be out there. We just wanted to kind of let people know that there let are people some. know it's coming. So, yep. so, you know, you may want to. Well, if you're off. a bigger, if you're a bigger dude, you want a bigger platform or you're looking for, um, you know, if the 1.0 just wasn't enough for you seat platform wise, and um, this will definitely be your stand. Uh, there's nothing out there that is going to be this size at this, this light of weight. Like it's just, um, and you could kind of see, in the breakdown too with the size differences and um i actually had i had somebody somebody messaged me like oh yeah all the platforms are gonna look huge with your little hooves on there and i'm like I started laughing. <laughs> i'm like but just to give everybody kind of a reference like that boot on there in the picture is just like a size 11 uh like like a alpine boot so it's it's a it's a big ass boot like so sure, it's, a, it's um, not a tennis shoe yeah, yeah, they're 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 beefy big boots. So um, it'll have awesome platform room. Um, along with the 2.0, there are some accessories we're finalizing too. Um, got some bowl holders in the works, um, nice. and possibly another version of the double step. And that's all I'm gonna say. Um, but so those are a few things to look out for. Um, anything that we have. Um, should be, I mean, I would say by spring should be officially released. At least all the information, availability dates, and all that stuff. And and um, yeah, so I, you know, we I think just tell the people, you know, obviously social media, you'll see it there probably first, um, and then checking into YouTube, there'll be a little bit more detailed breakdowns and and stuff like that as far as to come on both on both platforms. So I definitely think. You know, people know a little bit what's coming and, and obviously they, they can check that out more uh, closer to release date at this point. Yeah. And, you know, with that being said, and the new products and um, just to kind of touch base on this real quick is I know a lot of the listeners, a lot of the followers, people that I've met over the years, uh, so many years I've been working the, the spring consumer trade show circuit. And it was always a great time for guys to come look at the new products or look at the current product line. Um, touch it, feel it, um, talk with us, myself or the staff or whomever about the products and get a good handle on what they wanted to use to hunt for the next year. And, you know, with all these COVID regulations and, and whatnot, a lot of these shows have been getting canceled. And typically I would do about 10 shows in the springtime. And I think only two of them that we normally did are still going on, which, which we will be doing um, in, um, there's one in Iowa the deer classic and then there's one in wisconsin that used to be the the field and stream of madison but they moved it to the dells but anyway with that being said um i've been toying around the idea of doing a mobile hunting road show and it looks like it will be a thing this year so this summer i will be traveling across the country um we did a couple posts on the mobile hunters um united page trying to gauge and really let the followers, let the, the, the consumers um, kind of choose where they'd want these events and if they would attend. And uh, we will be releasing 
a state-by-state breakdown of, of the stops that we will be making. And we're going to release dates on those um, stops probably, you know, within the next couple of weeks. So it'll give anybody who wants to come a chance to kind of clear their schedule. But, you know, um, this these will be very, um, uh, you know, very relaxed events. We're going to have a few uh, key speakers at each place. We're going to do um, in-person stand hang workshops, um, go through mobile hunting tactics, strategies, different styles of mobile hunting from, you know, uh, different locations, areas of the country, um, and different products. So it'll be a really good chance to, if you're looking at the custom gear uh, lineup and you're like, damn, I don't know if I want the 0.5 or the 1.0. And damn, I don't really know if I want the double step or the, the compact step. Well, yeah. You'll be able to come, come by, um, hands-on personally, mess with both those setups, set them up, hop in there. You know, you can listen to the standing seminar tips and um, techniques for myself, as well as other guys that have been, you know, hanging stands like this for a long time. Um, and you can try them out. So it's just, it'll be a really cool place um, to see not only the new stuff, but the old stuff and, and with the XOP line as well. So um keep an eye out for that and it'll be a good chance for any of you guys who are looking to um really dive deeper in the products before you before you purchase or just or even learn how to use the ones that you have better um yeah. you know you might have a stand and in this year you you did good but you know maybe you're you're struggling to set you know cut your setup time from from 15 minutes to you know to sub 10 and we'll help you do that so yeah, nice. No, that would be a, a real good uh, – a lot of guys are always on the fence about what sticks, what stand, and no better way to do it in person. Uh, just like testing a bow, you know, going to a, a bow shop and shooting a few bows, this really gives you that hands-on experience. And if you're going to invest in something that's going to be year over year, you know, that's – that's even if you got to drive a little ways, that's that's probably a good idea, use of time. So Yeah, we're going to try and schedule the events here. So we got – we have our state lace – state um, – uh, state list uh, kind of broken down and we're going to try and hit the regions as best as possible. So we're going to pick locations that are close to a lot of, you know, um, you know, maybe easier for multiple States to kind of gather into some of the bigger States. There'll be two events per state, like Pennsylvania, there will be, there will be two events, um, you know, uh, to kind of encompass all them hunters out that way and, and, you know, have the time. And that way, if somebody can't make one, they can make the next, but um, but yeah, that will be a, it'll be a great, great opportunity. It's always a good time. I mean, for years I've been working the shows and just, I mean, making friends, talking to people, you know, just, just bullshit and hunting and it's just a great time. So it'll be cool to keep that going and, you know, have it be maybe one time, maybe for once I won't be late for a show. <laughs> That's true. You control the start time. <laughs> exactly. Um, Speaking of hunting, I think at this point, let's pivot and, and hear either some summaries or how did your late season wrap up? Because I don't think I've heard you speak about this or, or seen some highlights. You and I were on a phone call a couple of weeks ago and you started to tell me and I said, wait, 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 this is podcast material. So, so I have not heard anything of how your late season went, any close calls, um, because if you look at 2020, you had a heck of a year. You know, you got your early October buck and then your, your last day of October buck. Um, so, so, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I kind of, um, from there, I had a little bit of a relaxation period in, in early November and was just trying to get some work done and stuff and, you know, having tags filled close. Uh, and I actually went to Ohio down in your neck of the woods, uh, yeah. um, 
for not long, but man, I loved it. It was probably one of the highlights of the, of my season was, was being down there. It was just, it was cool being in a new place, new ground. I love the country and love the, uh, the, just, I guess the landscape, the hills, the, it was just, it was really cool. I'm, I'm, I was digging it. Um, definitely had some killer vibes there and just the workout aspect, man. I, I'm, I'm a exercise nut, as you know, and, you know, combining those two and getting a little bit more, um, more exercise in the hunt was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, in, and I got down there too, when the bucks, I think were probably a little squirrely and running hard. Um, which I, I seen some, I seen a few deer, nothing great. Um, you know, the population was definitely smaller. There's a lot of spots that I found that actually, um, I think, I mean, if, if going by past experiences would have been like kill spots guaranteed. And some of them I'm like, fuck, I don't even think I'll be able to get here in the dark. Like, uh, you know, like <laughs> I'm just like, it, it's, you know, there was realistically, I was telling myself, I'm, I just found, I, I, I jumped the buck out of his bed specific. Um, you know, I, I scouted this place. I mean, there's so much ground, right? So in, and he, like a, like a dipshit here, I'm going down here to, you know, 20,000 acres yeah. like never been there before i'm like okay let me just let me just quick scout this no road driving or anything so i'm looking and i'm like all right where the hell do i think i, I want to be at or where would i where would i be and i picked three spots and um i went and checked out the first spot and on the way there i you know the, the spot that i actually pinpointed on the map that i thought would be killer wasn't that great but i found a spot going into that spot which is a great point like you don't fucking know looking at a map you just don't like yeah. you have to check it out. So uh, spot number two, I actually got there and it was on, I didn't realize how steep this, this hill was or this mountain when I was looking at the aerial, because I'm just like, all right, well, yeah, this looks like a killer spot. Well, it was fucking steep, man. It was, it was, it was wicked, but I get there and I round the corner and I actually kick a buck out of his bed and it's tore up right there. And I'm like, Oh, this, this, this deer's dead. You know, like, like there's, this is a kill spot. It was an opportunity and, but I look back at where I was at, you know, pull up my phone and I'm like, dude, there's just no, there's, there's no way. And I almost killed myself getting out of that spot. I don't even know how I got up there to tell you the truth. It was like sure. goat paths on the side of like this shale, uh, slippery. It was very slippery. Everything was real slippery. So anyway, it was cool though. I mean, like I got some really good, um, I ended up getting close to that spot, seen a couple does, never seen that deer. Because mm -hmm. I knew where he was. He was in a spot that I couldn't get to. But um, I would love to uh, – I can't wait to get back, though. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then transitioning into into late season um, here in Iowa, it was um, – <clears throat> it was. I mean, it was a good late season. Um, not a whole lot of great deer, like, in the area – um we're in a position too like with a lot of ag surrounding and stuff we do end up you know pulling pulling some deer in late season yeah um just you know that we might not even know about but um it was cold we did get a lot of snow and the snow made it very hard to access a lot of places like uh i mean i think right now when you say hard to access uh from a a sound or just navigation or just a, from, Visual. from everything. Okay. I mean, literally everything from just, but mostly a sheer work part. Like, just, okay. just, I mean, you know, if, 
if you like so right now for instance i think we we probably got like i mean on at, there's got to be 20 inches of standing snow just sure. just and then in drifts i'm there's there's spots where it's you know 11 12 feet high right now like we've just been getting hammered with snow and extremely cold temperatures which can really can really make it deadly hunting these deer like and now we didn't have that much during season but when we started getting those snows i like those snows because you can them deer start to narrow down their travel pattern they don't meander as much and they start to get more routine but at the same time now you're hunting very concentrated spots very concentrated trails like you're you're having to beat a lot more deer you know like even that one year that you're at out at the farm um and like you know for instance like that you know that that section of ag field you know you might have 30 40 deer coming to that from god knows where from miles away every night but they're all congregating and it makes it it makes it very tough to you know kind of um to you know get away with things at that point in time which so anyway so with the cold and, and the snow um snow more so makes it a little tougher like you know too much snow you um not only are you making a shit ton of noise getting in there um it's just it's work man it's tough so um beating it down getting in there hopping around like i actually seen i had a lot of encounters with um some good deer um nothing i seen one shooter um probably and there was one time and he cracked me he cracked me big time um well go, go into detail on getting cracked yeah. i'd I well, love to hear the setup the scenario yeah and that's that's the thing too like all everybody you know i get a lot of time for people trying you know that they see the low they see this they see that like in and i'm going to do a specific video on this that's coming very soon and i know you guys have heard this a million times oh yeah cody's gonna do another video and, and a video never comes out but I, I will be doing a video on hunting low um, because it's something I've been doing for a long time. It's something that I'm good at, that I've, I've developed a knack for, but also something that people do not understand. 90% of people out there don't get what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And that's where a lot of the, the negativity and like the, um, comes from with it. Like a lot of people are, Oh no, yeah, that doesn't work here by me, or you can't do this or uh, like, yeah, like I'd, I'd love to see you do this here or what. I'd like to start off by saying like hunting low is not for everybody. It is not. If you, if you cannot fucking sit in your stand without moving, you cannot hunt low. Like you, you can't do it. If you're one of those guys who's cranking his head over his shoulder or pulling out your phone or digging in your pack or don't even try it because you're not going to get away with it. Like there, and, and this, this brings up a very, a very good point to make, especially late season. And I had a lot of people asking, Oh yeah, I wasn't seeing your stories as often. And I was straight up. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't film. Like when it gets late, the, the deer become more skittish. It's the end of the season. They're more concentrated. I'm hunting lower than ever. I hunt even lower late than I do early. And I'm feet away from these deer. And like, you just cannot get away. And everything is crisp. But there's no leaves, no cover. It's just, you can't get away with as much. So like a lot of times, like I just like, I don't even try and film. Like I, I don't even mess with it because I know it's a recipe for disaster. Um, but anyway, so, so, and especially with the cold temps too, it can be, it can be a painful, nasty, brutal experience, which it is 90% of the time. And in this, in this um, specific instance, 
you know, I, I walked in, uh, you know, as far, as long as it took for me to find a really established trail. Um, and now there's a lot of established trails, you know, when you have, when you're hunting a, a, a high population of deer, you're going to find established trails. So it's just, I mean, but you can bet that a lot of these bucks are going to be coming out of the same trails as these does are or what, or what's, what, what have you. Right. So I knew a spot that, um, I predicted they were wintering in uh, very thick cedars, uh, cover, um, brows and all that, that shit that they like for these nasty times. Right. And, and so I set up, you know, on a trail as close as I could get to that area, but just, you know, in between this and then where they'd be coming out, uh, to for food in the evening or just to move, you know, with the cold temperatures. And, and, um, I actually, I seen a big track in this trail, so I knew there was something good in there, but I hunted and um the first night i actually had an awesome night i mean i was having i was probably six feet up in a tree um typically how i like to do it especially late season these deer are herded up and if all of a sudden you got a you got nine deer coming out or you got even four deer or whatever or more than that or and you need to make a move like you just you're not going to be able to make that move in these cold conditions and just like being point blank in a tree like that. So you got to be ready. So I'm ready. Um, I have a, a group of does come through and I seen some small bucks that day. Everything came through dead to rights. I was six yards away from this trail. And also too, in the cold, like I like to be as close as I can because I'm not a good shot as it is. And if I'm freezing, like I just, you know, it's just sure. one of those things. And, but also it's a game to me, just like, Oh, let's, let's see how close we can get. So, but anyway, so last light, I caught a glimpse of just a mammoth body coming down the trail that I was on that never really made it out. Um, and so then the next night I went back, slid over a little bit um, to try and get closer to where he was to maybe get an arrow in him. Can, can, let, let's paint a picture. How many yards did you shift from night one to night two as far as? Um, so this is probably, this is, this is, um, this is like a 60 yard shift. Okay. So I mean, like I'm literally hunting the same spot. The wind was the same. Every, all the situations, the same. I'm just, I just creeped down that trail because I knew if you see, if I seen him at last light, the option, like, and if I was 60 yard closer, like yeah. I might've been able to get an arrow. And if he moves two minutes, if he moves two minutes earlier this next night, well, he's dead, you know, and then he's coming up this trail. But anyway, so I moved in and, um, I mean, uh, I had, uh, a good movement of those deer coming through and I just figured it was going to be, um, figured it was going to be a good night. And, um, I actually, I was, I wasn't as set up as I should have been. And I was kind of sitting there. I had my bow in my holder, like whatever. And, and, and this is very close quarter situation. And he actually popped out same. It's one of those things where like, you think about it and it's like, what the hell? Like you should have known better, but he popped out again. Um, last light and well, not last light. It was, there was, there was a little time left, but he straight up, I, I reached for my bow too soon and he just freaking he, he like at that at that height too and your eye level with him and you make a move like that you're just that's why it's important and not so it was very simple long story he just he just he just busted me um yeah, yeah. so and, when you say reach for your bow too soon uh like i uh, late season do you like to i should have never had to reach for my bow is my point should have been like sitting there like in hand i usually i usually have my bow inside of um of the center holder as I'm sitting down 
um, with my hands on my lap. So I, so the movement for me to get my bow is literally moving my, my hand three inches to the left, or okay. I'll hold my bow. And if it's really cold, what I'll typically do is I'll just have my, um, I'll have a, a hand through the strings and just have it like resting on my like crotch area. And so I'm not touching any of the, the metal parts of the bow or whatever, but I'm just yeah. sitting there like that. So then if I need to, it's there, there's no actual movement. Well, I think I was messing with, I might've been messing with something like filming something, but, uh, and I had my bow still in the holder on the side. Yeah. A lot of people ask questions about that bow holder that I have on the side of the stand that yeah. I haven't been showing a lot purposely because we're, <laughs> because we're doing a bowl but it was over there because i was working around on my stand and figuring shit out so um anyway i reached over to get that and it just i moved i moved too quick too soon um yeah. and that was it but that was the only good deer i seen late season and after that i mean he was gone i never seen him again um i never had uh any inklings of him and just um you know i try and hunt hard just try and change it up kind constantly move um yeah. and it was just uh a typical typical late season good like i said good a lot of deer but you know didn't end up with with one on the ground yeah well i don't think you can be uh too picky after after killing two bucks in a year two states and yeah and, and, that, and, and that's the thing um i did have yeah i had a phenomenal year and i mean there was a couple deer that i seen at, at a couple points in time where i was like oh that's okay like you know he's but at that point in time too it's like really especially you know no cameras no intel no nothing like Mm-hmm. that's where things like that would really help you out and catapult you into success for, for those times of year, yeah. even going to Ohio, like there's, um, so having gone, which we didn't talk on this, but having gone the entire season, like officially right from, well, not even the season, the entire year of, of 2020, never touching a single trail camera, never looking at a single picture, never doing anything involving trail cameras whatsoever. Had an awesome season. Like, you know, I do, I don't, I don't regret it one bit, but at the same time, there are a few instances that I, that I noticed that I'm, if I would have been utilizing a camera or if I would have chose to like, okay, screw this, let me use the camera. I might have a couple more deer on the ground. Sure. But it's, it's like, it's like that, that, um, double-edged sword kind of thing yeah, like, well, you're like playing with fire like you know i just if you can be limited with it like late season is a great time like if you if you know where those deer are, are feeding or what they're hitting or whatever and you can throw a camera up on there or you can go spread out four cameras on four different farms or food sources and just pin down a deer sure that's sure. all the difference like but when you have to work for that and you have to get out there and you got a glass and you got to get out there and hunt and and put in the time to see what what is there Mm-hmm. It, it changes the game completely and it does throughout the entire season too. And that's where, but you have to hunt. That's yeah. the whole point. It was the whole point of like, you know, ditching those things. It was like, all right, let's get out and fucking hunt. Like, so. Yeah. Well, you um, know, it's funny. You might actually be better because of uh, the fact that you ditched them for a year. Now, if you would implement them in 2021, okay, this is where I felt like I needed to use them. And, and obviously here's where I really had no use for, for a trail cam. And so now you're, you know, because you took those out of the arsenal for a whole year, you, you might be more efficient now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like there's, and even in the past, like, we, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah. I was always using cameras as a, as a inventory purpose, but it, it's hard not to have cameras out on hot scrapes and not be pulling the card and not be moving them and not be 
but yes, I like, for instance, out of state, a shit ton of ground, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres that you don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I mean, having a camera soaking, getting some intel in some of those spots yeah. would be completely invaluable. Like, so, I mean, like that is just, you can't, you can't beat that. Um, and then too, like, you know, on a time crunch, you know, like, I mean, even a late season hunt, oh shit, late, you know, we got one week to get this done let's, you know, throw out a few cameras. And, um, so there's, so there's definitely yeah some benefit there. Um, but funny enough too, there's an odd story. So I think the last day of season, um, this is a funny story. <laughs> I was actually, I didn't hunt the morning and I was, uh, I don't know if I was working, I was doing whatever, but I go, I, I'm on my way to work. I'm driving down, um, the interstate and i'm always like conscious like i've spotted sheds from the car on oh the, i've witnessed it firsthand well yeah i mean i'm talking like on the interstate too oh, yeah. like, I, I'm, i've just been driving like to a show and like dude there's an antler stop you know like for whatever um but i'm driving and i'm and this is like i think it's the last day of season maybe one day left um and uh i swear like i'm, I'm just whip, ripping down 70 70 miles an hour on the interstate and i'm like there's this big, uh, big road ditch and like this, just it's all open country. It's like a huge bluff though. And it's right along the river, right along the Mississippi river. So, and I'm like, man, I think that had, that was a shed. That was a slammer of a shed. Like there's, there's, there's no way, you know? And, I, and I'm like, and I drove for a couple of miles and I'm like, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, it was a branch. Like there's no way they wouldn't be dropping this early or whatever. And then I'm like, no, I've, they've dropped, they can drop this early. I'm like, I mean, could have been injured whatever i was like that was that was a bone that was a shed i'm going back so i whipped the shitty on the interstate drove back and i'm looking and i got the i pull out the binos and i'm looking and i'm looking and i'm like and i'm creeping and it's a tank of a buck it's like a it's it's a freaking magnum buck bedded up in this um in this big um thicket ditch you know and this is you know you're something for like all you guys who say that oh these big deer don't these big deer have to bed in this perfect area in this little peninsula and it has to be this and it has to be thick and it ha- it's bullshit. They bed where they bed and they're like, in, until you know, you know, like this buck was literally bedded in this road ditch. He never got hassled on the interstate. Like, you know, I mean, he's just literally there and I'm like, Oh shit. Now you guys know, man, the mobile rig is always set up. I'm like, I, like I'm, I'm ready to rock. Like my bow's back in there. Like my camel was sitting in the front seat and I'm like, so I immediately pull out the onyx. Like I just got it. So now okay. I'm like, okay, all right, let's, let, let's see what we got here. And, um, I went to the, the closest farm, which was very close. Well, actually this is before I pulled out the onyx cause I didn't really, but I went to the closest farm and I knocked on the door and I'm like, well, either this guy's going to be a hunter. Maybe he'll let me hunt, whatever. But I'm like, Hey, like, you know, um, do you own this property right over here? Like, and he's like, well, who, what do you, what do you, why do you want to know or whatever? And I'm like, well, there's a big buck over there. And I don't know if I can hunt it. Like, and he's, and, and he's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to well, yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, uh, I was like, there's like a couple days after the season, there's a big buck in that, in that road dish. And I was like, I, I could smoke him. Like I know it. Um, and, uh, and he's like, Oh, he's like, he's like, yeah. I, I he's like, that's not my ground though. I, I'd let you, but it's not my ground. And I'm like, Oh, well, whose ground is it? And he's like, I think it's whatever. So he points over and I go to the next house. Nobody answers. And I'm like, I'm like looking, and I'm looking at Onyx and, and it's, um, and it's in this, and I, and I, so I pulled the Onyx and I'm looking at the maps 
and it's no, it's, it's state ground. Like mm-hmm. it's not, I find out that it's, you know, nobody owns this. It's like this little chunk in between the properties. And I'm like, so then I'm like, well, shit, can I, can this, is this huntable? Yeah. Like there's a big piece of public, like right on the river and it, it's all huntable land and there's this swatch, but it's landlocked by private pieces. And I'm like, God damn it. Why doesn't this app say like, and I'm like, I wonder if, so I start texting people. I'm like, Hey, do you know, do you know how this works? And I'm like calling the DNR and stuff, trying to figure it out. And I, <laughs> I, I scrambled too long to where I'm sitting there. Somebody stopped to see if I needed help because I'm sitting on the side of the interstate oh, so there's two cars and there's commotion. And then the, the buck gets up and actually, um, and actually runs off. And I have this, I have this filmed, uh, on my phone. Uh, and I was going to do a video with it at some point in time, but, but anyway, so I'm like, God damn it. Like, so, and, and I, I almost pulled the rabbit out of the hat, man. Turns out I talked to the local DNR guy that was huntable ground. It was, pu- it was a piece of public ground and technically you can access from the interstate because it's, it's sure. the interstate. Like you can be on the interstate, yeah. and, but it was only like five acres. And he was, I mean, and it was like one of those things where like, God damn it. I mean, he was just a huge mainframe nine pointer with, with a, um, so uh, next year, late season, you're going to do a little extra scouting in that area. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, this is probably like 20 minutes from my, um, from my house and it was just so completely random, but it's just, it's weird how shit like that works. And if you, if you think about it, like, you know, that was that buck safe zone and yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, just a weird story, I guess. But. Yeah, so was he playing Frogger every day across the highway to to to, to access? He was that? coming in from the other side. So I actually got once I found out that that was a huntable spot, I went yeah. down there and looked at it. Yeah, this wasn't because at first I was like, oh shit, maybe he. My first intention was, or my first thought was like, he got swiped by a car and he's he's hurting, he's dying, mm-hmm. like, he's gonna die there. Like maybe he was crossing the interstate, he got just just nicked, and now he's got a busted leg or something or a busted back. But then, you know, I watched him for a minute or so as I was, before I went to the neighbor's house, I'm like, you know, he was at, his mannerisms were just, just as a healthy deer. So, but once he spooked out and he ran across the field, I went down in there and he had been bedding there for quite some time. That was an established yeah. area and he was accessing it from, there was just little like creek drainage yeah. um, that shed up. And now this is in the middle of all wide open crop fields and, and horse pasture. And there's, there's two hedgerows and he was running a hedgerow down and then just coming up and bedding right, right next to the interstate. I mean, he was just in this little thick little cluster uh, of trees. He was bedded right in there and, and um, you know, just, I mean, never, probably never worried about a goddamn thing, you know, <laughs> nobody ever, ever, ever bothered him. And then he was, he was running out from there. So he wasn't actually crossing the interstate. He was coming from the other way. And that was like his end, um, the end of his route, but that's just, cool goes to show you know i mean yeah yeah and and they uh, are where they are yeah that is wild so so speaking of you spotted a shed we are mid-february currently and and shed season is is fast either here or or approaching i i know from the guys i talked to in ohio and i literally posted last night kind of trying to get a bead and texting guys like justin and heath um a lot of bucks here still holding but uh what uh would you say your percentage of bucks holding and and you know, let's get into some shed season talk. Um, I don't, so I don't know. So I like, I don't, I'm just so busy. I don't really, like I said, and I still don't have cameras out. So, and I haven't been yeah. driving around glass. And so I don't know what's holding or not. I found typically that harsher years like this though, 
they will drop earlier. And I, I am hundred percent convinced that right now at this point in time, like, what is it? Is it Feb? Oh, it's only the 17th, right? Yeah. I 18th. I would probably say half of them are, are holding right now. I know dad found a, sh- a set uh, the other day. Um, I, right over by his, uh, right over by his pond, oddly enough. Um, and, uh, he starts to put some feet out, uh, late in the year though. Um, especially when we get like these, these really harsh win- winters, like he'll, yeah. Um, he also sits where you can see a little more of, of some of the, well, the ground. Yeah. And, and like where, like the, the farmstead there is set up, it's smacked at, you know, it's in the middle of like this, this big open. So just hanging out in the, in the, uh, house in the evening you can glass and you can see deer like they you know they gravitate they come out of the the bottoms and the thickets and stuff so um yeah you can, he can get a pretty good idea i mean he's he's seen some shed bucks i think i haven't really talked yeah. to him too much but um but with that being said like i've found in years past like when we have this harsh stuff um they they drop earlier like it's just i think it's all related to stress personally i mean i know it's got to do with testosterone and stuff like that but like if if a deer ain't healthy he ain't holding that rack till april like i mean like you know some of those i don't know i've seen him hold racks really late um maybe not april but um march for sure um but on hard years i think the last week of feb like february 28th like that time i've 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 cleaned up yeah with this snow like right now um and i've been kicking myself in the ass to go out there I wish I had some snowshoes because if I had some snowshoes, I'd be freaking, I'd be ripping it. <laughs> um, I think right now is the time where you would literally clean up like here in Iowa. Um, anything that's dropped has got to be on top of this solid mound of snow. Like it, like we got 14, 15 inches. Then we had a warm day where it all got kind of wet yeah. and then it, then it froze and literally, literally for two weeks. It didn't get above two degrees. Yeah. It's been, it's been negative six every day every day and then it drops down to negative 15 actual temperatures so and and it's just and we've been getting snow every day so it's been drifting real high but i would imagine those established trails out there are hammered down and them deer aren't venturing from them so i'd be it'd be like picking cherries you know just i mean walk them trails for as long as you can um and you'll eventually find some bone on them like it's just yeah they got to be right there so i'll keep you posted on that because i'm gonna get out (laughs) i'm gonna get out and uh in a day or so here and um try and clean up some of them it's yeah, always I, you, gotta, you gotta beat the squirrels man <laughs> those squirrels it, i've done a little bit of poking around nothing too heavy um as far as like here but like i don't like snow scouting or, or walking as much and we don't get the snow that you guys get just because like when i go out to, to shed hunt or pound miles i want to walk like i want to you know put some some boots to ground and cover distance and you know some of the elevation that i hunt and side hilling like with snow yeah you can see tracks and, and the beds and stuff but like i i want to move um and and right now even in ohio we just don't have the the number of shed bucks right now to to really find much um cody speaking of, of shed hunting you're a guy that almost looks at it as uh, a workout of the day and and like okay today i'm gonna pound miles what uh what's a typical shed day look like for you um yeah so i it's all about covering ground. Like, I mean, it, it it, literally, if you, um, it's, it comes down to covering ground. Like, and there's a lot of people I talk to, they're like, Oh, I just don't have sheds here or they just don't shed where I'm at. Or like, I'm like, Oh really? They don't shed where you're at. Like, it's just, do they do, they they just hold their antlers all year. Like just, but it's, 
it's all about whether you're on a piece that's 400 acres and you, you got a shit ton of deer or whether you're, you're scouting stuff like you do, you got to pound the ground. I mean, you just have to get boots on the ground, go hard, cover a lot of miles. The more, the more miles you cover, the more sheds you're going to find or, or have the opportunity to find. Now I usually, I'll take a quadrant of like ground. Um, and I was even thinking about making a trip down to Ohio too, like, uh, because now knowing what I've seen in the places that I've been, I would really like to look for sheds there because I've found some established bedding areas. Now sure. that shit changes. So the first thing you have to look at, I think when you're going out and you really want to find some sheds is you have to know where the hell those deer are holding up. Like th that is a thing. Like they, they winter in areas, depending on the, the severity of the winter, what's going on in your area, that'll change every year. There are spots on the home farm here that, just because of how the winter is right now, I will guarantee you I'll find sheds there. I know it. Like there's, there's not even a doubt in my mind. It's just, all right, I got to just comb it like a needle in a haystack and I'll find them. And there's other years to where I walk that same spot that I might find three halves in and you don't find anything. And it's almost like, you know, you're not going to find anything, but I know it's because we had a, um, a lot less harsh of a winter. These deer are out. I mean, there's been, I've, I've covered, uh, you know, private farms and found, you know, 20 to 30 halves in, in, in a weekend and then hunted the same farm or walked the same farm on a different year and found one, you know, so um, it, it's all about where they're wintering. So you gotta, you gotta pin that down. If you have those areas or if you know where those areas are, you got to target those areas. So where's the food, what are they eating on that time of year? Where are they held up? And that's where doing the snow scouting can help you too like in all that ground if you get out there and you can see these established like in a year like this if you got the the um uh i guess the time and the the freaking energy to do it like dude i'll tell you that nothing is more humbling than <laughs> walking walk, walking five miles in the in in snow deeper than a foot with i mean like it's like holy shit you yeah. don't realize how hard it is, but if you can get out there, you'll start, you'll see plain as day what the hell these deer are doing in this harsh, harsh scenario. So um, I target those areas first, the, tar the areas that I know the deer are holding up in, I'll hit those areas um, in the low hanging fruit, if you will. Like if there's food sources that I see them out in or that like food plots or just anything um, late season uh, food sources, like I'll, I'll hit those first because those are where they're going to typically drop where I find my most sheds is probably um, that like, I guess you, I call it like a buffer zone, I suppose. Yeah. Like in between like thick bedding and then like, like almost like a staging area, like where they stage before they actually um, come out into like these, these fields or these openings and whatnot. Um, not that I have, I've found sheds everywhere, every type of location, but that is the prime locations um, south facing slopes too. Like when you got a lot of snow, you know, cover them, cover them ridges first, because, um, typically where them, them bucks will hang out and where they'll drop first and where you'll be able to see them first. Like shed hunting in the snow sucks too, because it's like, it's a freaking mind game, you know? Oh, sure. And, um, I've walked ground in the snow and walked it, um, four weeks later. And literally, like, there was sheds buried, like, under the snow that you can't even see. So, that's what sucks, too. You got to almost double the ground. But I'd say, like, even on this this farm here, uh, we walked the same ground, you know, four or yeah. five times. 
Yeah. What do you, um, oh, do you, do you have any gear or stuff you like to do if you're going to go shed hunting all day as far as a, a boot of choice or uh, are you a midday coffee guy for a little pick-me-up, a little caffeine boost? Uh, any any little tricks of the trade like that? Um, yeah, so I always, I always shed hunt with a backpack. Okay. Um, so just to have place to freaking jam antlers if you need to you know i mean um but um backpack i use actually a small what i use uh is a uh it's an osprey pack mm-hmm. and it's their i think their day pack it's 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 small it's lightweight super breathable i've never been like a hydration bladder type guy i don't drink a lot of fluid so like i barely even take any any liquids when i go out but um I'll take some, I'll put some food in that bastard though. Like I'll put a snack in there or whatnot, but what's, what's the, what's the snack of choice for, for shed day putting you on the oh, spot. Man. I like those. Uh, um, I've been on the, I've been on the RX bar uh, kick lately. Okay. This, it's like, you know, it's healthy, you know, health nut. Um, yeah. 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 But it's um, an Epic dude, Epic meal bars. You ever have those? I, I'm not familiar it's it's like this it's this company i don't know where they're from or what they do but or well i don't know what they do but they make it's like so it's a little freeze-dried type it's all like like there's like venison bison elk like oh. it, and it's just solid like it's jam-packed with protein so there's like like 24 grams of protein in a little venison bar that's like you know is it like a snack, of, snack stick style like uh, texture it's, it's or? like it's like a brick like so it's like the size of a candy bar it's like okay. a you know, a little wider um but normally like that or like a rx bar or um some chocolate or something like just yeah. for some trail mix dude i was big on trail mix for a long time a bag of trail mix will power you through anything you need i think but um yeah backpack walking stick good pair of boots freaking i mean that's that's pretty much it man yeah i mean um, you you know uh, our buddy jimmy who is uh, over there at tiger rise coffee yeah so I like, I, I prefer a midday, got to get a little warm, you know, I generally I like to be there at daybreak if wife allows and time allows, because, um, you know, if I'm going to put the boots in, I, I just need a little bit of daylight and then I'm off. Um, and so like, I like to pound some miles till maybe like 10 o'clock, 11 or whatever, and then take a midday break, warm up and, and fire up the jet boil and make like a cup of coffee or whatever. And my pro tip would be, you got to have those little packet of creamers from the gas station or McDonald's. Cause then you add that and it takes that like instant coffee from like a, Oh, like say a seven out of 10 to a solid, like eight, nine out of 10. Dude. Yeah. You can't, you can't beat a coffee. See, that's where I like, you gotta, man, you ruin it with that nasty Casey's coffee though. You gotta. Oh, you gotta get, wow. Hating on the coffee. Game. It's a, it's a good, no, it, um, I used to be on the energy drink kick too. You know that too. Like okay, well, yep. they, hit you, they hit you a little harder, but like one of those, you know, those rains or bangs or something like, dude, I'll pound one of those midday if I, if I, if I need to, but I definitely like to hit it. Like, like you said, it's a, it's a workout. It's a trek. Um, and you know, I don't know what you, what your take is on this. I don't know if you still wear your like early season hikers, but um, boots, man, like a good set of boots. Cause in that, even when I was down there scouting, like uh, your neck of the woods, it was like a lot of, see, I don't take my gear. I don't take my bow. And I was getting hammered on that. So many people were, were like on my story, like where, and when I ran into that buck on the ground, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is probably why everybody's like saying you should take your bow, but I would be way less efficient scouting if I had all my gear. You know what I mean? Like I, it slows me down. It doesn't like, I'm like, I'm turning and burning. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going quick. And it's the same thing with sheds too. Um, so like boots, man, your feet, 
Uh, I usually take an extra pair of socks um, that's in the backpack too. Um, and gloves too. I mean, like, you know, that cold, you don't want to get cold or whatever, but um, I mean, are you using your early, are you using your, uh, yeah, like I like, I like a hiker boot obviously. And then actually when I pound miles, I'll bring uh, my Solomons are a touch stiffer. So, you know, if you're pounding miles, I like those just because they are a touch different then uh, if I'm going to do more than seven miles, I, uh, I wear like a toe sock liner sock that like a uh, endurance athlete guy recommended who did like, you know, he, he runs like 50 mile races, hundred mile races. Um, so I'll, I'll put that under my traditional kind of a, a wool sock or whatever. Oh, hell yeah. 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 The, the, um, I noticed too, that in, in that terrain down there, like these, these new boots that I had, um, really they i mean they made it a world of a difference uh they're um they're uh like hanvogs it's like a like a bavarian company um they got they make some quality stuff um and i i got uh a pair this year that i've been beating down and just the stiffness it's like man it's like you're a, just getting up those hills those um it's like you don't realize the quality in a boot and like what it actually does for you until you you know yeah you're really putting on miles like that but i would definitely recommend not not chintzing on all right one more one more question personal question before i i, I got a meeting here in a half hour that i i gotta prep for a bit but the workout side of things you know if guys are going to be pounding miles you know heavy hamstrings what kind of gym workout ish routines or, or movements do you do you recommend for a guy going to go out and pound miles um, I would, I would do, uh, Bulgarian drop sets. So Bulgarian split set or Bulgarian split squats. If you okay, haven't yeah. done those, look them up. <clears throat> and, um, not only are those freaking rough, I mean, th that's a tough exercise doing with weight and, and incorporate drop sets, do high reps, high volume of those things. And okay. your quads, your posterior chain, I mean, everything will just be hammered. And like, if you can make it through a triple drop of sets of 25 single leg on a Bulgarian split squat, like you'll, you'll have no, I mean, it's like nothing. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, okay. I usually, I'll do, um, I'll take and I'll get on either a bench or whatever, do, do them leg by leg. Mm -hmm. And um, my favorite uh, sequence would be to take a, like a, you know, a uh, uh, hundred pound dumbbell and do about uh, do about 15 to 20 reps and have the 75 pound dumbbell right next to it. So 15 reps, go to 75, 15 reps, go to 50, 15 reps, and then go to no weight for failure. And then you're going to need to chill out for a second, but like, you know, <laughs> chill out, like embrace the, embrace the ass pump and then, and then hit the other leg. Okay. And I mean, you don't really need to do that more than once, but it's a, it's a, I would work up to that, work up to the weight. I usually start out with doing, doing body weight. You said only one dumbbell on the split squat? Yep. One, one dumbbell and just one hand. Okay. One, Cause you're doing one leg at a time. Okay. Um, and if you want to spice it up too, I mean, you can even do uh, at the end of your failure set, do a, um, a hold too, or in between every set, you can do like a 15 to 30 second hold. Okay. So 15 reps, 15 second hold next weight, 15 reps, 15 second hold next weight. It's just, you, you'll be crying but it'll make those it'll make those hills a breeze yeah 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 and be able to go all day so that's cool man well cody i think this has been an awesome kind of multiple segment podcast catch up let people know what's coming 
Um, sounds like you're really kind of going to hit the, the YouTube video uh, series, hopefully over 2021, a little more. Um, anything else you want to wrap up with? Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, you can look like, like you just mentioned, um, I'm gonna really try and hammer out some of these videos and you can, so we should have those pretty soon, uh, full on walkthrough of like the new XOP stuff, custom gear stuff. And, you know, um, some other things as well too. Like I've been getting a lot of requests on like my specific mods to the stand and setup. I'll be doing a video on that as well. Um, and I'll be launching those on YouTube, uh, very soon. So, um, keep an eye on those. And then, um, also we're going to, we're going to dive into some, um, clothes and layering system and thermals on the next, uh, on the next podcast, because we've been getting, we've been getting a lot of requests for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I feel adequate to cover those, uh, all about that. So, yeah. well, cool, man. I think we're going to push, uh, push send on this bad boy, Cody. Uh, we'll, we'll, hopefully we can do a little more of this, uh, coming up and we'll just, uh, keep everybody informed. Enjoy those Bulgarian split squats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go, go enjoy those Bulgarians. <laughs>